0: Open our hearts now and soften our hearts. Um, and I pray for a desire in us, Father, to, to listen to the words and that the words will sink in, Father. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to talk to us about a purpose in the promise, that there's a purpose in a promise. Um, it will make sense as we go, carry on, but... Um, I want to start in Luke 22. So there's a lot of scriptures this morning, but I, I feel like the word and what I want to say, we need to go through what happened. Okay. So in Luke 22, firstly, I want to start off in just um, verse 90 to 20. Um, and he took the bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is, for, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So what happened over this weekend, 2,000 years ago, God says, as we do communion, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, it's something that we need to remember. And it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. And that's what I want to bring over this morning. I want to ask you this morning, is what happened in that moment, the fact that He rose from the dead, is it still changing you today? It's not just something that took your sin away 2,000 years ago. Is it changing you this morning? And that's the promise, is that He stood up, He was raised from the dead. Is it still changing you today? Or is it just the theology you know about and something you try to believe that happened 2,000 years ago? It should be a living hope. Okay, so it's still supposed to change you today. And he says, don't forget this. Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we do communion. So we did, Because we forget. And I want to remind us of that this morning. That's what the old preach is about. It's reminding us of what happened. And that's why it says, do this often. That's why we do communion often. So that we are reminded of what happened 2,000 years ago today. We need to keep on reminding ourselves because we forget. So I want to go through, go through a few scriptures. Um, but in that moment when Jesus rose from the dead, something happened. And and something happened in humans. Something happened in a disciple. Something happened in a group of people that followed Jesus, and that's something we carry in us. But I I want I want you to listen, and I really, I so hope that I can, that what I'm carrying in my heart can get over this morning. But I'm doing this in faith, and hopefully, um, I get it into words. But if we look at the disciples, we look at Humans, we look at man and the frailty of man. And I so, what is it? Identify myself, associate myself with them. I identify myself, I see myself in them as I read this. And I want to start off with um, the fact that Jesus said something. A few times to them but it didn't sink in so three times at least three times we pick up in Luke and but it's only at least three times I think there's quite a few more where Jesus said to them I'm gonna be crucified and then I'm gonna be raised from the dead but it didn't sink in he promised them that first Luke, in the first time we see in Luke 9 verse 21 and 22 now imagine your husband or your wife or your child or somebody that you really love in a way that you've never loved anybody before say this to you and he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell this to no one so if my wife comes to me and she says to me Charles I'm going to tell you something now. Please don't tell anybody. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to be all ears. Okay. And he said to them, don't tell anyone. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on a third day be raised. Okay, so they they heard that. Luke 9, verse 43. But while they were all marveling at everything he was doing. So you see this, the Son of Man. You see God. You see Jesus in his miraculous self. You, you're, you're listening to this guy now. And then he says to them, he said to the disciples, let these words sink into your ears. So now if God's saying to me, listen, I'm going to say something now. And then he says, the Son of Man is about to deliver it into the hands of men. And then later Luke writes again in Luke 18 verse 31. And taking the 12, he said to them, See, so they're on their way to Jerusalem. The reason why they're going he's going to say now. He says to them, and taking the 12, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, so important, listen to the promise, after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. Now, seeing the human response in Peter, where Matthew actually writes it, Luke doesn't mention this, but Matthew mentions this, and he says, and Peter took him aside and began, so Peter hears this, And Peter takes Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, For be it from, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And listen to this. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, the problem is, The human frailty of setting our minds, and some of the translation says the concerns of man and not the concerns of God. We're so concerned with our lives and concerned with what we see that the words don't sink in. Now, why am I saying this this morning? There's a promise of God that we're getting to, but it doesn't sink in sometimes. Because our concerns, the things of man, is deafening the promise of God. The concerns of God and what He is concerned about, meaning the things of God, what it is about, why we're we here. So what's the response then of the, after the arrest of Jesus? What did the disciples do? They forgot the promise. They ran. Fear then. them. John and Peter followed from a distance, but the rest of the disciples were nowhere to be found. They were gone. Peter denied Jesus. After the promise, seeing, following Jesus for three years, seeing all the miracles, knowing Peter coming to the revelation of who he is, denied him. And when he got crucified, we see John was there, but the rest were watching from a distance. They were too afraid to come close. Even when he died, the world shaked. Everything turned dark. Imagine by yourself. We will be. We saying, "Hey, man, I see. Uh, this must be the Son of God. This must be the Son of God. Look at what happened when he died." But still their response was being afraid. See, in that moment, now listen carefully to this this morning, in that moment, their reality trumped, overshadowed the promise. The reality of what they see, the concerns of man, the things they see, overshadowed and overweighed the promise of the words of Jesus that I will rise. And when the promise came true when He rose from the dead, you know, I don't want to go through everything and how it happened, um, but in Mark 16, because I want to look from the viewpoint from the disciples in Mark 16, verse 11 to 14. But when they heard that he was alive and had been, had been seen by her, that was Mary um, telling them. Mark says, and it's from the viewpoint of Mark and what he experienced. So he, he penned this down. He said, but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. And then again, in verse 12, After these things He appeared in another form to two of them, as they were walking in the country, and they went back and told the rest. So they went and told the disciples, but they did not believe them. The disciples didn't believe. Afterward, He appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at the table. Now listen to this, and He said and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had, no, they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Now from, and we're going to read now from, um, in John. John's perspective and Mark's perspective was, we had unbelief. John's perspective was another thing. Let's read that in verse 19. It says, On the evening, John 20 verse 19, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were in fear of Jesus. Of the Jews, sorry. Yeah, not involved. So we see see this perspective after everything. Mary tells them Jesus is alive. um, And the two, Emo's, the guys on the road told them as well. The two disciples, other two disciples, but they're not part of the 12, um, also tells them Jesus is alive. They still didn't believe. And Jesus actually comes and he, he from Luke's perspective, rebukes them for their unbelief. From John's perspective, they locked the door and they were there all in fear. So you see this unbelief and this fear that overtook them. And what's amazing In that moment in that moment the promise came true for them and everything changed in them everything changed in them now I want to say this morning also very important the reality the reality of the disciples didn't change Okay, I'm going to say that again. Thank <laughs> you. In that moment, when I saw Jesus, in that moment, the promise came true for them. Their reality didn't change. What I mean by that is the fact that they still they feared the Jews, that they're going to be killed. What made them change from opening the door and facing death? They opened the door and faced death. Before that, the door was locked. And they were afraid. But the fact that they were going to be killed didn't change. Does it make sense now? Their circumstances, the world around them, didn't change. The reality they knew, the reality that made them afraid, the reality that made them lock the door and sit and didn't want to believe, Changed the moment Jesus walked, or he was in a door, in a room. He didn't change. Why? And I want to say, I want to read us quickly. Let's first read John 20, verse 20. When he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Verse 21 says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Peace be with you. There's the promise. Peace be with you. From the fact that Jesus wasn't there to the fact that the promise came true in that moment. The promise that I'm with you. I'm with you. Made them change. And open the door but there's a purpose to that as well he said as the father sent me even so I'm sending you in that promise the promise of Jesus after all the promises he said they didn't believe it he said I'm gonna be raised after three days all of a sudden he's there fear is out the door why because I saw the promise they saw the promise came true They went from a locked door, afraid of death, into a purposeful willingness to die. Let that sink in. They went from a locked door, being afraid of death, to a purposeful willingness to die. Why? And I want to tell you what's their reality. Let's quickly read through that. I want to remind you this morning of the disciples' lives. Andrew. How did Andrew die? I want to go through that quickly. Andrew, brother of Peter, martyred him by crucifixion, bound not nailed to an egg-shaped cross, hung alive for two days, preaching to the spectators all the while. Now listen, not before that, they were afraid, locked the door. All of a sudden, they open a the door and they walk into that. They walked into a world hating them. Bartholomew, Nathaniel, martyred them being skinned alive and crucified head downward. James, beheaded or stabbed with a sword by Herod Agrippa around 44 AD near Palestine and not far from where he was local missionary to the Jews in Judea. His accuser, was converted by James's courage. And the two were beheaded together. James the Lesser was first bishop of Jerusalem and martyred in his early 90s by being thrown from a pinnacle of the temple at Jerusalem, then stoned and head bashed in with a club. John the Beloved natural death it's the only one with a natural death but he was cooked in i think it's oil yeah uh, matthew martyred about 60 a.d by being staked and speared to the ground preached the gospel in ethiopia and was killed for questioning the morals of the king simon peter martyred him by crucifixion in rome crucified 68 AD upside down at at his request because he did not consider himself worthy to be crucified like Jesus now remember these were people that were afraid that was the one that denied Jesus thomas martyred thrust by by thrust through by spear in india mark was dictated to writing the book of mark martyred dragged to death Luke, the physician, was hanged on an olive tree. Matthias was stoned and beheaded in Jerusalem. The apostle Paul wrote half of the New Testament was beheaded by Emperor Nero in Rome. Jude, martyred by being beaten with a club, then crucified. James, thrown some hundred feet off the wall done to him after he repeatedly refused to deny jesus 's faith, he survived the fall and was beat to death with a club. Why did they do this? Why did they do this? And this is one of the one of the main things for me if I look back at the history and I look at the Bible, I see what these men went through i 'm just like. They saw something. They saw a promise. They saw a promise that came true, and there was a purpose to this promise. And what was that promise? There's a few, and these two more promises I want to go through for us. In Acts one, we read this, and while staying with them, he ordered Jesus, spoke to them um, with them, and ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Listen, to wait for the promise of the Father. There's another promise. Let that sink in. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So that's the promise, that we will receive the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father, yet again, this is things of man and things of God. It's for God to know. The seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. And here's the promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And here's the purpose. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as He went As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, and here's another promise. So the first promise was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second promise, and this is what I want to get at this morning. The second promise is, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. See, we live in a promise of the Holy Spirit. And we saw and we know that that promise came true. But there's another promise that we need to look at. And it's the fact that He's coming back. And that's why they had this promise in them. That's why they opened the door. And they were willing to die. They were willing to give up everything. They were willing to go through that. Because they know there's another promise. He's coming back. And he said, I'm coming back soon. I'm coming back soon. Now we miss, we miss that promise sometimes. The promise that Jesus is coming back. And we miss the purpose in that promise. Because we so easily get concerned with the things of man. The things of man takes away that promise of Him coming back. And that's the thing that should drive us, to live like they did, willing to die. But sometimes we're not even willing to give up a weekend because my kids are doing sport. For the things of God. And I want to ask you this morning, What are you concerned about? The concerns of God or the concerns of man? Paul picks up on this. He forgets how easily we forget the promise of his return in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, concerning, concerning. The times and the season, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourself are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children, but of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Listen, verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober, remembering the promise. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And this is what I want to pick up quickly again. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now Paul says, basically, Paul says, there's a promise that you keep on forgetting. The fact that he's coming back. And the two things that he talks about. He talks about it's a defensive armor that we need to, to, to put on. And what's the two things he touches on? Faith, love, okay? The breastplate of faith and love. And the other thing, helmet off, hope of salvation. Okay, so what's the two things? The one is exactly the same as what Luke pulled, I think it was Mark picked up on, it's unbelief. I want to take us back to how how did the disciples respond to Jesus, telling them the promise. Unbelief, was the first one? And fear. Fear comes through what? Thoughts. Doesn't it? Okay, hope of salvation. So he says the hope of salvation, that's the promise. I want to give you two annals this morning, the same as Paul did. The two handles this morning for this, and how we tackle life. And the first one I want to speak to you about is the helmet of the hope of salvation. So, so easily when you're confronted with the world and things of man, we forget about that Jesus is coming back. Think about that. The purpose why I'm here, the fact that Jesus is coming back. But we are filled with fear, just like they were. But he said, the hope of salvation, the hope that God's coming back, the promise, that's the thing that keeps me going. And as I fill my heart with that, as I fill my heart with that, I, be, I become filled with the purpose. The purpose of faith and love. So whenever you have to make a decision, you have to decide what to do. The helmet of hope of salvation is the thing. That's the handle. The, the purpose why I'm here. The purpose. Why are you here? It's just to manage your life. That's the purpose. That's why they went out. They had this promise. The promise of God coming back. And that they were filled with faith unbelief out of the door open the door let's move out because god gave them a purpose in that i want to read us 2 corinthians 10 and i want to start landing on this but 2 corinthians 10 just on on a thing with maybe to help some of us this morning for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we need to realize that our thoughts are at war between the concerns of man and the concerns of God. It's at war. We demolish arguments and, of, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to, listen to this, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is complete. Now, how do we do that? If we take in what Paul said in Thessalonians and in Corinthians, the helmet of hope of salvation, the moment a thought comes in, it's a war for you. To decide if you're going to be obedient to what God asks or not. Now, what's the thing that's going to make you obedient to what God is asking? We demolish disobedience. How? With the hope of salvation, the helmet of salvation. So, when the thoughts come in from the devil, like arrows on your head, of fear, of unbelief, and all that, what do we do? We protect it. We protect it by the promise that is coming back. And in that promise, there's a purpose of faith and love to be walked out. I walk out in faith. I walk out in faith because I've got the promise. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So my hope is I know he's coming back. And that's why I look at my neighbor differently. That's why I look at work differently. Because he's coming back. Who doesn't know him? Because I've got a purpose. This promise that he's coming back, that's my purpose. Is he going to stand in front of God, knowing God? Does God know him? That's my purpose. Because I believe the promise of him returning. And That makes everything, everything else, things of man. The things we are so concerned about. that's why we do today do this in remembrance of me because Paul says we so easily forget we so easily forget the promise and that's why we struggle to find our purpose in life because we forget the promise and go through the Bible God says I'm coming back soon and yes you can say 2000 years later he's still coming back soon you know what? The Bible says there's a reason for that. Why? Because He's gracious and patient. Because He wants your neighbor to be saved. But He's asking you to remember that He's coming back. And that's your purpose. And we do it in faith and love. So, Ramon, come forward, please. I feel like we need to worship the whole band can come. Before we worship and I want all of us to stand, please.